Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear friends, uh, we rejoice today that you've joined us on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russin. I serve as your host. And I'm here with Pastor Frank Friedman. It looks like, Frank, I'll be sharing some of your struggles of late. We'll be moving too. So are you settling in, in uh, your new digs? <laughs> yeah, the house is kind of like a maze with all the boxes and furniture, but uh, <laughs> we'll work it through that maze. And the nice thing about a maze like that is you can move the walls, you know, that are keeping you hemmed in. Yeah. So, well, uh, we are going to dive into that pool very soon, I suspect. And friends, if you've just joined us, uh, Frank and I are in the middle of a series. We're kind of chatting our way through Paul's epistle to the Colossians. Uh, Frank and I are both in love with Jesus, and we can't think of a better epistle that highlights the sufficiency and the preeminence of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Frank, we're going to begin today in chapter two, but this chapter begins it really doesn't start a new thought. It, it continues with the previous thought because the first thing Paul says is, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. So I'm going to talk today, Frank, and begin there about Paul's discussion for the reason for his struggle, which he says is for others. And if you recall last time, he told us he was suffering on our behalf, but it was not because of a fault. It was because of a purpose that through it, he might present us mature in Christ. Now, that's an important purpose, isn't it, Frank? As a pastor, you spent your whole career doing that, haven't you? Yes, John. It's uh... You know, it's an interesting thought that in Acts chapter 9, when Paul was first brought to faith, of course, he was Saul, he was murdering Christians. In fact, he was on his way to Damascus to arrest and cast Christians into prison. And God knocked him off his high horse. And then he told Ananias, I'm going to show this man how he must suffer many things for my sake, for the sake of the gospel. And there is a sense, John, in which every believer is going to suffer in this world. It's a, a fascinating thought to me in John 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he asked the Father, I pray that you do not take them out of this world. I mean, it would be a wonderful thought, wouldn't it, John, to get born again and then instantly just be translated to heaven? That's right. Beam me <laughs> up, Lord. I'm ready. <laughs> yes. But we have work to do. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are his ambassadors, which means we represent a foreign kingdom. And so we are light in the darkness and the darkness hates the light. And so there is a sense in which a natural byproduct of every believer is that you, the moment of your faith, you entered into conflict. 
you entered into the epic battle of all ages between light and dark, good and evil, between the holy God of the universe and the arch enemy, Satan, who tried to usurp his throne and tries to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God does. And so Jesus himself said it, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. He said, do not marvel when you suffer. The world hated me, they're going to hate you. But I think there is a great possibility for a person like Paul, a person in the ministry to encounter sometimes more suffering because they are, quote unquote, in the front lines. And, and when I say that, I hope our listeners don't hear a distinction between pastor and quote laity. I hate that term. We are all the body of Christ. First Peter says we are all priests. Uh, but there are those who are set aside to be in the public arena and publicly lead and publicly herald and the potential to catch a lot more stuff <laughs> coming against them. You remember James said, don't be many teachers because theirs is the greater condemnation and that's condemnation from the world. So, yep, we've had our share of it, John. <laughs> Amen. And you know, you mentioned Acts 9 with Paul and Ananias. I'm thinking about that passage, Frank. And Ananias was told to tell Paul these things. You are a chosen vessel to bear my name. Mm. Okay, that applies to all of us, my friend. Absolutely. We're all royal priests, chosen vessels. And then he says, how many things, because you're a chosen vessel of mine, how many things you must suffer for my sake. And so I want to remind you and me, Frank, as we both struggle with this and all of our listeners that, you know, struggling and difficulties and frustrations aren't really a sign that we've blown it. They're not necessarily consequences for our bad choices. Father might just be parting the hedge and letting these things in first because we're his vessels. And second, because we are to suffer for his name, for our sake, to advance the kingdom in us, and for the sake of others, to advance the kingdom in other people. And so it's a tough deal to recognize that because it certainly flies in the face of some of the messages we hear today. Wouldn't you agree that you can be healthy and wealthy and wise, and you're already perfect and totally complete, and you don't have to do anything more? And some of the realities of where the rubber reads the road really don't match up with some of the messages that we hear today in the modern church, uh, do they? No, John. In fact, as I'm listening to you, there are verses just popping in my brain. The supreme one, probably out of Hebrews, where it says, Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Now, that's a verse probably most people have never heard taught in church, but the word obedience is a very sad translation. Uh, it's really hupakuo. It means to listen under. So when we translate it that way, he learned to listen under his father's voice through the things that he suffered. C.S. Lewis called pain God's megaphone. So there's a sense in this fallen world when things come against us, as they're going to do, that it heightens our awareness. It sensitizes us to our need of God in a way that when everything's going well, uh, we might be 
prone to forget. You know, that's why James, that was another verse popped in my brain, consider it all joy when you encounter struggles because they produce endurance in you. Uh, Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, he got that thorn. Take it away, take it away. And God said, no, son, you don't understand. That thorn's going to make you weak. And when you're weak, you'll depend on me. And then you'll find me in a way you never knew me. So that's why, you know, Peter says, sometimes it's the will of God that we suffer. And it doesn't mean that he's trying to punish us or beat us up or anything like that. But he knows that just like an oak tree grows strong in the wind, uh, sometimes we need the winds of adversity to stretch our faith and learn that we can trust him in ever greater ways and find him faithful no matter what the world hurls at us. And one more verse that popped in my brain, John, was 2 Corinthians 4, likely my favorite passage in all the Bible because of its honesty. Paul said, death comes at us every day in this fallen world. But the purpose is that the life might be made manifest. And then he goes on to say that others will see that life and rejoice. Uh, It's kind of like they look at us, John, and go, how did those people walk through that stuff? That would drive me to the bottle. It would drive me into the bedroom to pull the covers over my head. And then we can say, what you're seeing is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is an overcoming life in us, experienced by us and expressed through us by faith. And that's a wow, John. That's a major wow. Serious (laughs) wow. And uh, it's, it's just not taught, but boy, it should be because every one of us, Frank, you know this, every one of us finds ourselves in uh, what you and I call the trenches of life. Mm -hmm. And so when you get there, uh, you really need to know the truth about what's going on and why you're there and what, where's father in all of our suffering Mm. so that uh, we can interpret it correctly because it, it can be overwhelming if, Mm -hmm. if we don't have the right focus. And, And this is where Paul begins, Frank, in this chapter two, he says in verse one, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those that lay into see you and for all who have not seen me face to face. You know, I I can't seem to get over, Frank, the heart of Paul. Here he is in prison. Mm -hmm. And I'm just stunned by his continued compassion, or I guess I should say it's Christ's compassion through Mm -hmm. Paul. Uh, He doesn't know these people, yet he has a great struggle for them. It's kind of like he just dived into the deep end of the pool of their issues and started swimming with them. And and I can't help but compare the common way that we have prayer meetings at at churches, or we get together for prayer for whatever thing, whatever it is. Uh, He didn't just take a little card and make a note of all the needs of the churches in Galatia. Frank, he dove into their life. He owned their struggles as his own. Uh, This is a very different approach to to praying for people, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's amazing, John. I'm so glad you pointed that out. In prison, and his greatest agony, he says, is for others. (laughs) That's radical. 
most people in prison would be bemoaning that they're in prison. <laughs> you know, they'd be saying, why am I here? I'm innocent, which he was. And why am I struggling like this? Where are you, God? And, and they might just have a pity party that goes on for the whole time of their internment in prison. And yet this guy has the heart of God inside of him, as all believers do. And so he says his agony, and that's the real word, struggle, is the Greek word agon, which is agonized. So he's, he's actually agonizing over the people of Laodicea um, because they're in danger, you know, from slick talkers and uh, people who are going to lie to them and try to lead them away from Jesus. And so it's just mind boggling. You chose the right word, compassion. It, it wasn't just empathy. You know, I feel bad for you, but it was compassion. I'm going to do something about what I feel. I'm going to write you a love letter from the prison I'm in. Amazing. It certainly is amazing. What's interesting, Frank, as we talked, oh, several episodes ago, when we looked at exactly how he began this letter, how he prayed for them. And then I flip over through my mental Rolodex. Boy, does that date me, Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> I flip through my mental Rolodex of some of the other prayers that Paul has for the other churches, that they'd see and comprehend the love of God, that their eyes of understanding would be open and they'd recognize what God's doing in their circumstances. I mean, certainly Paul prayed for the specifics, but he goes so beyond praying for the symptoms. He goes to pray for the solution, which is that mm. they would have God's perspective on what they're facing. Man, we don't do that generally, Frank, in the modern church, do we? My goodness, John, no, and perspective is everything. As soon as you said that, yeah, it's, it's fun talking with you because as you talk, I get these verses pop in my head. There was this guy named Asaph, you remember in the Old Testament, and he was God's worship leader, the worship leader of the nation. Imagine his job is 24-7 worship, but he got his eyes fixed on the world. He saw wicked men prospering because he was, quote, in the ministry. He wasn't prospering. And so he gets distorted in his perspective, and he says, these evil men are, are prospering, and they don't even thank you, God, and here I am, and I think I've labored for you in vain. <laughs> and he, he's about ready to lose it. And then God shows him the heavenly perspective of those people, and that is that that world system of which they are a part through their unbelief, is going to be judged. And Asaph hears the screams of those people when God's judgment comes, and it changed his perspective completely. In fact, he goes on to say, you know, I was functioning like an animal instead of a man. And so, yeah, we really need perspective. One other that pops in my brain is Lamentations 3, when Jeremiah was in the rubble of Jerusalem after being destroyed by Babylon. And he spends 19 verses saying, boy, God hates me, and I'm the bullseye, and he's got the bow and arrow, and he's like a bear waiting to ambush me. And, and he says this word, he says, remembering my affliction, remembering my affliction all day long. So his mind, he's got his perspective. But then he says this, but this one thing I did, I set my mind 
on God. And then instantly he says, great is the faithfulness of God. His mercies are new every morning. And that's where that great hymn came from. Now he's still sitting in the rubble. Jerusalem is still destroyed, but he has a whole new perspective. And that is that what's happening right now is not the end of the story because of God. That's right. Frank, you mentioned a few phrases that sort of trick some thoughts in my mind. We've been talking about being locked in prison and physical suffering. And if you read Paul's descriptions in Corinthians about shipwrecks and beatings and stonings, pretty egregious suffering, Mm -hmm. physical suffering. But you know, Frank, sometimes I wonder whether the heavier burden doesn't come from emotional suffering, you know, from relational suffering. It's the things that sort of haunt us day and night that can really wear us down. But where's father in all that suffering too? Mm -hmm. You know, I heard somebody ask that question once of a pastor and the pastor said, the father is the same place he was when his own son was suffering like that. He's with us. He's offering himself to us as the life and comfort and strength that we all need, especially, John, as you bring out in the relational suffering. I think it's a very insightful verse in the Corinthian letters in chapter 11, when you mentioned that he suffers all those things, you know, shipwreck, famine, danger from robbers, dangers from his countrymen, beaten with rods, whipped, thrown into prison. And then he adds this thought. And on top of all that, yeah, <laughs> as, as if, if that's say, not enough, right? <laughs> here's the real issue, the care of the churches, which is, of course, the care for people. And Paul, unfortunately, had a lot of people betray him, just like Jesus had his Judas. In the second Timothy, Paul says, you know, Demas left me and and all others have forsaken me and I'm alone. He had the account with John, Mark and Barnabas. And, you know, that relationship was never really healed with Barnabas as far as we know. Uh, He did restore John Mark but it doesn't appear that Barnabas ever restored. And you can just see Paul's pain as a shepherd throughout a lot of his letters that, you know, as a parent, John, we want so much for our children. In fact, there's that verse in third John, my greatest joy is to know that my children walk in truth. Well, the flip side is also true. My greatest sorrow is when they don't walk in truth. And for Paul, all those spiritual children, uh, when they would go astray, it would break his heart. And as a shepherd, he could put them in this beautiful green pasture of truth. And yet these sheep are trying to get through a hole in the fence and go listen to somebody teach a lie. And, you know, John, years ago, I had somebody ask me what the biggest struggle in ministry was for me. And my answer came out very quickly. I wanted more for people than I found that they often wanted for themselves. I wanted them to intimately and deeply know God. And yet so many people are really pursuing life in other places. And that's what breaks your heart more than anything, because you know who God wants to be with them. I think it's captured in Jesus' words over Jerusalem. 
you know, he's weeping. And that word there in the Greek means convulsive weeping. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you under my wing, but you would not. And, and I think that's probably Paul's greatest suffering. It certainly seems to be Jesus' greatest suffering in ministry, at least up until the cross when he bore our sin. That's right. Well, this whole thought of emotional suffering and relational suffering, I think, is premier in the thoughts of Paul as he writes this. Because when you look at verse 2, his prayer is this, not that their problems would be solved, but mm. that their hearts would be encouraged, being knit together in love. Basically, Frank, I look at this and I think that no matter what they're facing, no matter what we're facing, God never meant for us to face it alone. You know, we're called a body for a reason, Frank, and every part plays mm -hmm. its own role. Uh, we're one, uh, and Ephesians 4 tells us that we are to maintain, work to maintain, and to guard that unity, because it's not good for us to be alone. You know, God said that way back in, in Genesis in the beginning. It's not good for us to be alone. It's still not good for, to, for us to be alone. And so when we are facing physical pain, emotional struggle, uh, relational pain, we need each other. Because sometimes if we don't have each other, we can run down some pretty crazy paths and wind up where we and our father don't really want us to go. So how often have you seen that as a pastor, Frank? <laughs> well, way too much. John, verse two, you emphasized it, and I'm so glad you did. His prayer that your hearts be encouraged, knit together in love, but look at that last phrase, oh, yeah, attaining to the wealth of the true knowledge of Christ. I'm reminded of the verse in Psalms. I think it's in Psalms, John. I, I don't remember. You might remember where he says, how can two walk together unless they agree? So Paul's heart is to put everybody into the life of Christ, the same source the same playing field, that true knowledge of Christ, that every one of us is righteous, everyone is accepted, everyone is under the grace of God and not under law. So that if we're all on the same playing field, then we can all hold hands in this journey. But the moment somebody comes in and says, Jesus is not enough, you need Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus tithing. Now we've made it complicated. And we've also instilled something that can now be done to make me feel better or look better than you. And that creates competition. That creates judgmentalism criticism. We practice baptism by immersion. We're better than you. We tithe. We're better than you. And now this same level playing field is removed. So I love the way Powell packaged this idea that our hearts need to be encouraged with the true knowledge of Christ, if we put it a little bit in different order, so that we can be knit together in love. We're not going to be knit together in love unless we all fully understand what this thing called Christianity is all about. Wow. So well said, my friend. 
And I want to wrap up our time together by focusing on, on those last two verses, verses two and three, a little more closely. Basically, Paul gives some promises here. You know, he prays for them that their hearts would be encouraged, being knit together. And this is the goal for his prayer, that once we're encouraged and our hearts are knit together, that we will, let me read this, because this just staggers me, reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Wow. When do you ever have that mm. apart from Christ? And we'll have full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. So we not only will have his perspective on what's happening, but we'll know what he's thinking and why he's allowing this. And when we do that, we'll come back to one common denominator for all of this, which is Christ, he says in verse two, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when I think about this, Frank, and I'm going to ask you to comment as we wrap up, it's so easy for us to wonder why, why we struggle, why are we suffering emotionally? Why are all my relationships failing? Why is this happening to me? There's only one source of true answers to that question. And that is, the wisdom and knowledge that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, period. The answers are with him. And even if he doesn't tell us why, he gives us himself and gives us his peace so that we can choose to trust him, even though we might not see the end of the path just yet. Wow. Wrap us up today, Frank, and give us your thoughts. Well, I would add one thought to that, John. It is so wonderful. But verse three has a context of verse two. And I would add this one thought that as an individual, we can experience the fullness of Christ. Yes. But when that is expressed within a community, then it moves in a more powerful dynamic from just having an intellectual understanding to an experiential understanding in community. I love that he put the fullness of Christ in the same context of knitting our hearts together. I think what Paul is emphasizing there is that the revelation of God is most known or most experienced in the cultivation of a brotherly love within the community of Christ. It's more caught than taught. When I see Christ in you, and when you see Christ in me, and we express the love, the compassion, the grace, the mercy, the truth to each other, it's like we go, aha, I get it. So I think it's just wonderful that he put the fullness of Christ in the same context of knitting our hearts together. It is. And let's never forget that when he <laughs> says Christ in you, the hope of glory that you is not singular, it's plural. Mm, that's a it, really good word. Chuck. It is. So it means Christ in y'all, yeah. the hope of glory, because there's a truth to what Pastor Frank just said, that there is a life and as there's a dynamic expression of life that can't be experienced unless you share it in a group of like-minded believers. Wow. So we encourage you today to 
to seek out that group. If you don't have one, pray that Father would bring like-minded believers into your life in some way, in some fashion, so that you can share life and share him together. Well, friends, you've been listening to the Our Resolute Hope podcast, and Frank and I have been uh, discussing our way through the wonderful epistle to the Galatians. And we'll ask that if Father has ministered to you in some way today, please visit our new website, OurResoluteHope.com. Got a bunch of articles, devotionals, ebooks there. We've got newsletters, uh, some books for sale. You can find all of that online. And they all have the same focus that we are to lift up the incredible name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When you're on the website, please pop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Sign up for our newsletter. We send out several a month. And of course, don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, We've got our own YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out. Like and subscribe so you'll hear what's coming along new. And of course, we ask you to humbly consider supporting us in our resolute hope with your prayers and your financial giving. We truly value every partner we have uh, because to get together, we are heralding the greatest news ever, that Christ is our life. And as always, we close with this reminder from Hebrews chapter six, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope in his uh, first epistle. We call it a resolute hope, stable, it's steadfast. It's never shifting. And that hope is Jesus. So today and always, Choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.